Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For many years, I sat in a church in Costa Mesa, California, at the corner of Fairview and Sunflower Avenue. And I remember when I first came, it was a tent. They were building their building. And when I walked in, I thought, they made this place for me. You know, the music was contemporary. It was uh, what I was used to. The atmosphere was really friendly. And I, I used to sit on the floor when the church was built right up front. And I could go to first service on Sunday morning. That's 745 service. Um, and I did that so I could immediately go surfing in San Clemente afterwards because the water was good at the time. And then I would make it back just in time for the evening service when Chuck would go through the Bible. It was always the best time because Chuck would take you from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, then I had a privilege a few years ago of actually teaching on Sunday nights uh, for Chuck going through the Bible. Well, guess what? My pastor is here today, and I want to introduce you to Pastor Chuck Smith. Give him a warm welcome. Thank you. Thank you. What an absolute joy it is for us to be here and to share this time together in the Lord. Just super special. I'm overwhelmed when I see what God is doing here. What a thrill to see the work of God being wrought here in Albuquerque like it is in so many other places around the world where God is just moving by His Spirit in the hearts and lives of the people. Last year, December 29th, I hit a bump in the road. And uh, I'm Recovering from it, and I thank the Lord for all of the prayers of those that offered their prayers for me while we were going through that uh, experience. It was, God had a purpose in it. I don't understand or know yet fully His reasons for it, but I know that there is, because I know that all things do work together good for those that love the Lord. Recovering from it has been interesting. I've recovered just about everything but my emotional control. Uh, I used to be one that rarely showed emotions. My wife used to pinch me just to get some kind of an emotion out of me. And I, I just rarely show my emotions, or it did. Now... I, I, I just have lost that part of control. I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping to regain it. Maybe the Lord doesn't want me to. But uh, if, And if that's so, well, all right, I'll live with it. But I, I get weepy. And uh, to just see uh, you and to see what God is doing here, it just touches me emotionally. I just, I'm just thrilled, just overwhelmed with what God is doing. Well, I'd like to talk to you a little bit on Psalm 73. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me.
to the 73rd Psalm. This is a Psalm of Asaph. Most of the Psalms, as of course we know, were written by David, but this is David's chief musician, Asaph. And he begins the Psalm with an important affirmation. Truly, God is good. Now that's foundation. That's a foundational truth. It's a foundation that we all need to know and to experience. God is good. The reason why it's so important that we have this solid foundation for our faith is that many times our circumstances don't dictate that to us. Sometimes our circumstances cause us to question the goodness of God. And Satan is always there when things go wrong to say to us, if God is good, then why did he allow this to happen to you? And if God is good, then why is this going on in your life? Why are you feeling so bad? Why have you lost your home? Why have you, you know, lost your job? If God is good, why? And that's why it's so important that we have this as a solid foundation. God is good. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Foundation, solid foundation, you need to have it. Because we don't understand the circumstances of life so many times. And when we don't understand why, it's important that we have something to fall back that we do understand. I don't understand why my dad and brother were killed in a plane crash. I don't understand many things that happened to me. But when I hit those points that I don't understand, I just fall back on what I do know. God is good. And many times, though we don't understand it at the moment, as years go by, we come to understand it. I do not know why oft round me my hopes all shattered seem to be. God's perfect plan I cannot see, but someday I'll understand. Years ago when I was um, just a young fellow, and that was many, many years ago, uh, I went to a summer camp. And uh, there was this girl at summer camp who was very attractive to me. And uh, so I made it a point to get acquainted with her, to get her phone number and all. And when I got home from camp, I thought, Wow, it would be neat to date her and to just take her out for an evening and really get better acquainted and, you know, looks like a good prospect for the future. And uh, so 
I called her up uh, and uh, told her of the plans that I had for the evening and invited her to join me with me in it. And she said, oh, that sounds like a lot of fun, but I uh, really can't do it. But I have a younger sister, and I said, uh, thank you, but uh, no thank you. Uh, it was a brush off, and I recognized it as such. And uh, I was a little angry with God. Because after all, Lord, you know, uh, good Christian girlfriends are, are not that many, and uh, especially if they're good looking. And. Uh, <laughs> When I was in Bible college, we used to say 99% of the women in America are beautiful and the other percent go to Bible college. <laughs> and I was angry with God because I thought he missed a great opportunity uh, to help me out for the future and uh, I was really upset and uh, a few years ago I was speaking at a convention and this old lady came up to me and she said Chuck do you remember me and I looked and my brain went through the ancient files and uh, pulled up and I said yes I met you in 1973 at Radford summer camp. She said, yes. I, so we went on and we talked. And as she walked away, I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Time hasn't been kind to her. And it's sort of sad. But it took me a long time, you see, to realize how good God is. And I didn't recognize it at the time. Someday, that song goes on, we'll understand. And uh, so, if you don't understand your circumstances, and you're prone to be a little upset with God because things aren't going like you would like them to go, just wait. The day will come when you will look back and you'll say, you know, the Lord's hand was in that disappointing experience. God had a reason for it, a good reason for it. And you will begin to thank God for the things that maybe one time you were upset with God over because God is good. Now, this psalm, Psalm 73, basically is dealing with this situation of being challenged by our circumstances and the goodness of God being challenged in our minds because we don't understand our present circumstances. And from this psalm back on down in verse 26, it would appear that the psalmist who was writing had had a physical problem. He said, though my heart and my flesh fail it. And perhaps he had had a heart attack. Perhaps he was uh, semi 
retired because of it. My heart and my flesh have failed. And so he uh, was, you know, it's, it's in times like that that Satan so often comes to us and begins to challenge, if God is good, then why did he allow this to happen to you? Why aren't you feeling strong? Why aren't you feeling better? Why have you been set on the shelf? You know, why have you been set aside if God is good? And so this is the time that we have to be reinforced in the fact that God is good. Falling back on that foundational truth, God is good. Whenever you come up against something you don't know, fall back on what you do know. Know this, God is good. Satan's method of attack with the psalmist was to get his eyes off of the Lord and onto his own present circumstances. And that's usually the tactic of the enemy. To distract you from the Lord. Get your eyes off of him and onto the circumstances that you are facing. And looking at the circumstances, I might not be able to see the good hand of God in the present situation. And and Satan takes advantage of that. And when things are going bad, he then comes and challenges the goodness of God in your life. And often, as he did with Asaph, he points out the prosperity of the wicked. And he looks around, gets his eyes off of God, starts looking around at the world in which he lives, and he sees this wicked fellow, a neighbor perhaps of his, who uh, just seems to have it going so good for him. And he said, I was envious at the foolish." When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Describing him, there are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. Here I am, my heart and flesh failing. I'm weak. I can't do the things I would like to do. And look at him. He's wicked. And yet he's as strong as an ox. And, you know, he just uh, seems to be going along and everything seems to be going his way. And yet he's such a wicked, perverse person. It doesn't seem right that I would, who seeks to love God and serve God, would have to be going through my hardships when here's a guy who cares nothing for God. In fact, he speaks blasphemously concerning God. And he seems to be so healthy and so strong. And so prosperous. He goes on to say uh, that uh, he's corrupt. He speaks wickedly. Uh, He speaks proudly. He sets his mouth against the heavens. His tongue walks through the earth. And yet he seems to have more than anybody could desire. They come and they ring out a full cup to him. And uh, so... Uh, you know, it doesn't seem right. But be careful when you start listening to Satan in this issue because he'll sometimes 
begin to throw in lies. He gets you nodding your head, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he'll throw in a lie, and you say, yeah, I mean, your head's nodding, and you keep going. Uh, But it's not true. He begins to throw in his lies. Uh, He says, uh, they are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Sinners don't have trouble, he's saying. Oh, yes, they do. That's a lie. They're not plagued like, oh, yes, they are. Uh, But he goes on to say that the fellow was evil. He was proud. He was violent. His eyes bulged out with fatness. He had more than his heart could wish. And yet he's so corrupt. He has foul language. He speaks contemptuously of God. He says, how does God know? And is there knowledge with the Most High? And he said, these are the people that seem to prosper in this world and they increase with riches. Satan just about has him, has him where he wants him. He says, my foot almost slipped. And he he is admitting here, that his foot was slipping. When I sought to know this, he said. Uh, Verse 13, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocency. It doesn't pay to try to live a righteous life. It doesn't pay to try to do the right thing. When I was in junior high school, I grew up in Ventura, and uh, we had a closed campus, junior high school. Once you went on the campus, you couldn't leave. So one day as I was riding my bike up to the school, my friends were outside the gate. They hadn't gone in. And they said, Chuck, we've been waiting for you to get here. We've planned to ditch school today, and we're going to hitchhike up to Santa Barbara and and look around, and then we're going to hitchhike home this afternoon. We wanted you to go with us. Well, I had never ditched a day of school in my life. I enjoyed school, and um, but yet peer pressure is a funny thing. And so my buddies and, you know, waiting for me to go with them, so I decided, okay, you know, I know that it's 10 demerits for, uh, you know, ditching school, but I had plenty of extra merits, so I didn't <laughs> worry about it. And uh, so we rode our bikes out to the Ventura River Bridge and parked the bikes under the bridge and got up on the bridge and put our thumbs out towards Santa Barbara and uh, had a hard time getting a ride. My buddies, all of them seemed to get rides, and I was still there holding my thumb out. And uh, I got looking at my watch and I got worried. I thought, you know, I've got a paper route this afternoon. And if I have this much difficulty getting to Santa Barbara, uh, if I have that same kind of difficulty getting home, I'll be late for my paper routes and I will be in big trouble. So I decided uh, not to go to Santa Barbara. I'll just ride my bike back to the paper office. And there I spent the most miserable day of my junior high school life, waiting for the presses to run so I could get my papers and do my route. It was boring. I just, the day 
was just dragging. It seemed like it was the longest day of the year, uh, waiting for the presses to run and get my papers. And so did my route, went home, and uh, came to school the next day. And, of course, you have to go to the attendance office and fill out the absentee card. And, of course, on that absentee card it says, Reason for Absence. Well, I was a Christian, and so on the reason for absence, I just wrote ditched. <laughs> and I thought, ten demerits, you know, lay them on me, uh, and it's all over. But no, it wasn't. Her eyes got big, and she said, wait here just a minute. And she went in and got the vice principal. And brought him out and he invited me into his office and he looked at the slip. He called my parents, brought them in for a conference. I had to go through this whole big rigmarole just because I wrote ditched. Now my friends, they wrote sick, (laughs) sore throat, a cough. They all got back into class smooth as silk, no problems. Because they told a lie. Because I told the truth, I get into big trouble. As a junior high school boy, what does that say to you? It doesn't pay to tell the truth. Just a little lie and you could have gotten by with it just like the others. It doesn't pay to do the right thing. Satan takes advantage of things like that. He begins to try to convince you that it really doesn't pay to try to serve God and to do the right things. And that's where the psalmist was. I've washed my hands in innocency. I've cleansed my heart in vain. It doesn't pay to try to live for God and to do the right thing. And he said, when I sought to know this, It was just too painful for me. Can't understand it. My foot has almost slipped. I'm just about gone. Satan just about has me. And he said, until, verse 17, this is the key. When I sought to know this, it was just too painful. Until. I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their end. Our problem is that we get too narrow a perspective of life. We see it just in the day-to-day situations. We don't see the broader picture. And what we fail to see is the eternal perspective. And that's why we Go to the house of God. To be lifted from just that myopic vision of just today, this week. And to get the broader vision of eternity. And what this counts for in an eternal welfare. And in eternal things. How does this count? And going into the house of God, he gets the eternal Perspective. There I saw and understood their end. Oh yes, they may seem to be getting by with it. 
It may be that everything seems to be going their way. It seems like I have all these troubles and they don't have any trouble. But the cup, a full cup is wrung out to them. And, you know, I'm envious of the, foolishly envious of the wicked. Until I realize their end. And when you see things from the eternal perspective, it gives you a whole new dimension of understanding. I understand it now from the eternal standpoint. And it changes completely your outlook. When you see it from the eternal perspective, I was in slippery places. My foot had almost slipped. That was when I was narrowed down to just looking at my problems and not looking at God. Now when I see things from the eternal perspective, being in the sanctuary of God and understanding things from a totally different perspective, they are the ones who are in slippery places. They are the ones who are in real danger. Uh, they are in the slippery places and they will be cast down to destruction. Probably one of the greatest sermons ever preached in America was by a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. And this was his text. And his sermon topic was, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. I would recommend your getting that sermon and reading it. It is a classic. It is considered one of the finest sermons ever preached. As he was, he was uh, nearsighted and he had written the whole thing out and he, uh, had to hold it up close and was reading it, uh, you know, up close and as he did, the conviction of God was so heavy upon the people that they began to cry, crawling down to the altar. I mean, it was amazing, uh, this sermon. And it is one of the most powerful sermons you'll ever read. Uh, but uh, he, it was, he talked about sinners walking over a icy plank over the pit of hell. And at any moment, their foot could slip and they could fall into eternity, into a godless eternity, the danger of walking in sin. How they are brought to desolation as in a moment, and they are utterly consumed with terrors. When they come to death, when they come to their last breath, the utter terror of that person who is living in sin, going into a Christless grave. And so he now actually looks upon them not with envy, but with sort of sympathy. The future that they are going to be facing without Christ when they enter into eternity. So as in a dream... When one awakes, O oh Lord, when you awake, you will despise their image. And he said, my heart was grieved. I was really convicted over this. Because he began to see what he had. And God had been so good to him. And that's why he began the psalm 
with the positive affirmation, truly God is good. He comes back now, seeing things from the eternal perspective, having been into the sanctuary of God. Now he sees the goodness of God to him. And here's what he sees. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. God is there with me through every situation that I face. And he's holding me by my right hand. That gives me such confidence. The fact that God is holding me. I cannot fall. He's holding me. And um, he's continually with me, holding me by the right hand. I've been very blessed. I have four beautiful children, and they have given me 19 wonderful grandchildren. And uh, I'll tell you, grandchildren makes it worthwhile raising kids. Uh, And I have 25 great-grandchildren, and that's also exciting. But when my daughters were living down in Vista, Kay and I would drive down every Tuesday to be with our daughters and to be with their children, our grandchildren. And uh, Kay would go with my daughters uh, to the mall and uh, they would shop at the mall. And I had the privilege of taking the grandkids uh, to Chuck E. Cheese and to Toys R Us. And I think those were two of the first words uh, that my grandkids learned. For whenever they'd see me, they'd say, Oh, Grandpa, Chuck E. Cheese, Toys are Us, you know. And uh, we would take off for Chuck E. Cheese. I would get a roll of coins and give them to the kids, stack them in, count them out for each one to get the same uh, stack of coins, and then let them just go in Chuck E. Cheese, ride the rides and do all of those things. And uh, then when we would have our pizza we would walk over to Toys R Us. We had to walk through the parking lot of the mall there, uh, but uh, in walking through the parking lot, I would always say, let Grandpa hold your hand. I never said, hold Grandpa's hand, sweetie. Uh, Never. Because if a dangerous situation would arrive, some car come down the aisle too fast and uh, need to get them out of the way, I knew that if they were holding my hand, uh, that they could lose their grip and be injured. And so I always made it a point of holding their hand and say, let Grandpa hold your hand. Should danger arise, I knew I could pull them out of danger. I didn't want to trust them to lose the grip and face the danger of the situation. We would go to Toys R Us, I'd give them a basket and say, I'll meet you at the check stand. And uh, we always had just such a great time uh, with the grandkids. And uh, spoil them, yeah, you betcha. (laughs) I I believe in loving and leaving them. And uh, (laughs) I don't worry about the parents, they have to... They gave me a bad time. I can give them a bad time by spoiling their kids, you know. Uh, But I love it that God says he's holding us by our right hand. 
not trusting in us. If we were holding on to God, you know, we could lose our grip, we could slip. But when God is holding me, oh, what confidence. Come dangers, he's holding me by the right hand, and he will surely free me from whatever danger I might face. So he goes on to say, You guide me with your counsel. You hold me by the right hand. You're constantly with me. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. When I look at the Christian life, how wonderful it is. God is continually with me, watching over me, loving me, caring for me, holding me by my right hand. And when it's all over, guiding me with his counsel, when we get to the end of the road, he leads me into glory. All of this and heaven too. What a blessing to know God as my guide, my shepherd, my father, the one who cares and loves me. So he goes on to say, Who have I in heaven but thee? There's none on the earth I desire beside thee. And though my flesh and my heart fail, God is the strength of my heart, and he is my portion forever. For those that are far from you, they're going to perish. But you've destroyed all of those that go a-whoring from thee. So it's just good for me to draw near to God. That's the purpose for your being here today. We have come that we might draw near to God. That we might get a correct view of life. That we might get a broadened perspective. That we might see the eternal. Not, you know, we're out there in the world and we get so caught up in the things of the world and the problems and the pressures and so forth that sometimes we, we almost just sort of drag into this service and sort of beaten by the world in which we live that is out of tune with God. And we find ourselves out of tune with the world because they're out of tune with God. And, and we come in and we've had a bad time uh, in the job or in other areas of the world, in our relationship with the world. And we, we come just, as I say, almost just crawling in the door. We sit. We begin to worship. We begin to move from the temporal into the eternal consciousness and we begin to experience really the presence of God in our lives and what a change it makes that's why it's so important that you not miss the fellowship that you gather together for this time of fellowship because you're getting now the correct perspective the true perspective the one that is the eternal perspective that we need to keep. Good for me to draw near to God. The Lord said, if you will draw near to me, I will draw near to you. 
and to gather here today to draw near to Him and to know that God is here today to draw near to you, to take you by your right hand, that He might guide you with His counsel and that He might lead you into the right paths for His name's sake. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I might declare all of his works. So here we are, putting our trust in God, but when we leave, we go out, back out into that world to declare all his works. So it isn't just to come and to be refreshed and to be uh, strengthened and all spiritually, but it's to go from here, sharing the truth of God with a world that so desperately needs the knowledge of God and the love of God in their hearts and in their lives. So going from here today to share the truth of God with the world that you live in. And I pray that God will just use you as an instrument this week to share with others the goodness of God. Truly, God is good. We know that. And uh, God is so good. And we need to share that with others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and this privilege, Lord, of gathering with your people to draw near to you. Thank you, Lord, for the comfort and the help of your word. And Lord, we just pray that you'll go with each one today. And those that have been going through a hard time maybe this past week. And Satan has been really buffeting them. And they begin to question, is it worthwhile to do the right thing? To live the right life? Lord, we pray that you'll just really encourage them, undergird them, bolster them, Lord, and may they go forth strengthened, empowered by your Spirit to be your witness to a dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.